Hello and welcome to the SAP Experts podcast. My name is Jonathan Fogarty, and it's an absolute privilege to be hosting today's episode. My guest today is Dr. Martin Katula, Global Vice President of Value Content and Thought Leadership for the Global Industry and Value Advisory Team at SAP. Martin is going to take us through some of the bigger trends in technology and how enterprises will be impacted in the near, medium, and long-term by these trends. It's a complex and rapidly changing world at the moment. And for the CIO, they have never been challenged with the velocity and size of change that's facing them today. Hello and welcome, Dr. Martin. How are you? Hey, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing uh, very good. Dr. Martin, before we get underway and get into the topic, I'd love our audience to, to know a little bit about you. Who is Martin Couture? And tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. Happy to do so. Um, so I'm Martin. Uh, I'm married with my wife, Christina. Um, we have a little son. Uh, his name is Konstantin. He's uh, three and a half years old. Uh, we have a golden retriever. We live at a countryside uh, in Germany, close to the Luxembourg area. And uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, uh, in Poland and uh, Germany. Um, and yeah, from, an, uh, from a professional education, I started with ABB, the electronics company. Um, I moved uh, to Accenture, spent uh, three years in consulting projects, um, then decided to yeah, jump to a niche uh, and boutique consultancy, spent uh, three years with uh, Kerkhoff Consulting. Um, yeah, and then um, around 2013, um, I decided to join SAP um, in the value advisory space. Yeah, and from an academic perspective, uh, I did my bachelor in science, uh, in computer science. Um, I looked at uh, an MBA for supply chain management and finance. Yeah, and finally, uh, also took a doctor in business administration in UK, um, looking after yeah, risk management in strategic sourcing. Um, yeah, so uh, all a good background from an academic standpoint, a lot of learning, um, a lot of uh, effort went to it. So um, yeah, that that's me. Wow. Well, that is a fascinating and complex backstory. And I think we're probably going to touch on some of that uh, as we get into it today, because I, I think one of the things I'd like to do, if I may, is to get you to set the scene a little bit. I mean, we've heard that you're, you're based in Europe. But I know you travel globally and you talk to people and businesses all over the globe. Tell us a little bit, what are you seeing around the world? What's really impacting the customers and the people that you talk to as you, as you move around and you do that role that you described? Yeah, um, well, I mean, that's a very uh, interesting point because I think the, the world um, today is uh, very volatile, very changing. We have a lot of uh, events and also uh, trends uh, coming up, of course, the dominating topic in Europe right now is the uh, Ukraine war um, affecting many companies, uh, many people. Um, uh, SAP is also looking in yeah, refugee support. Um, so, I mean, that's really hurting um, yeah, the entire world, I would say. Um, and it's also very um, affecting myself uh, looking at the uh, yeah, uh, deaths and uh, the, the whole refugee motion. It's uh, basically super sad. Uh, I would never th thought in my life that we would have uh, been that close to a war. Um, despite the war, of course, we have now the, the Great Recession um, uh, topic, uh, inflation. Uh, in the US, we have a great resignation where it becomes very tough for people to, uh, to look for, for talents. From a 
technology standpoint, of course, we talk about uh, metaverse, which may be um, a bit uh, a bit far uh, far from and from an adoption standpoint, maybe more to um, uh, to the consumer industries or um, to to the, to the gaming industry. But uh, it's also affecting um, or companies are looking uh, in, into this one. But beyond that, we also have talk about uh, yeah total experience and how can we make uh, um, yeah better user experience to customers and also to employees and uh, where companies are also looking into now is of course the uh, um, agility from a cloud standpoint uh, new technologies like artificial intelligence uh, decision intelligence um, and also try to keep um, up with um, yeah with uh, new emerging technologies so um, yet to sum it up maybe the the most important uh, three dominating topics is really the the supply chain and uh, the breaks what we see uh, um, for example in the automotive industry uh, we have the lockdowns in china affecting a lot of uh, yeah consumer product uh, companies where companies uh, went into the just-in-time production they are now relying on um, yeah on the deliveries um, for consumer products uh, primarily uh, inflation is uh, one of the hottest topics I never saw such high inflations in in the last couple of years um, affecting um, almost every country um, we see rates around 8.5 percent 7.5 percent so that's really affecting uh, many companies and this is also going back to your yeah, latest studies from uh, from FactSet, um, looking at the quarterly reports from S&P 500 companies, where you have uh, 70 plus percent companies really citing inflation in supply chain um, as a very affecting um, yeah trend um, towards margins and also towards revenues. Well, so I mean, we can't ignore, I guess, Martin. You know, the turbulence in global markets and and how that's impacting businesses large and small. It is an unprecedented time. One of the all-pervasive trends, and I know you talk about it from a technology point of view, and we're seeing more and more is, is business taking their workloads, their data sets, their business processes up into this cloud computing model. And it's I know it's not a new phenomenon, but why do you think it's getting more focused now? Is it getting more focused now? And, and is it really a panacea to a lot of the challenges that business faces, especially in the context of what you've just described? Yeah, that's a very interesting um, topic. I mean, um, many companies are looking into um, the change towards uh, cloud. Um, when we recap beginning of 2020, when, when COVID started, many companies actually were not prepared to uh, work entirely remotely. Yeah? Um, and uh, to have that infrastructure where you have uh, people from accounts payables and from manufacturing, production planning, um, sourcing, etc. So across all the functions to really work in a remote space and to have um, data logins into their, their ERP system. So uh, there was a big wave of uh, people really waking up. Uh, a friend of mine is working in the public sector and uh, he actually had to go back to the office to uh, yeah, to stick with the policies, to sign contracts and to uh, yeah, process the, uh, the actual work. Um, I think nowadays people um, and managers and CIOs are more looking into how to um, create uh, maybe hybrid um, hybrid environments. Um, and cloud, it's not only about uh, hosting and it's not only about TCO and a subscription model. Um, to us, it's also more about um, agility, flexibility to adopt new operating models, um, to um, um, adopt the new functionality and to roll out that functionality more faster. If we imagine that if you are 
on an yeah on-premise stack and you always need to configure and upload um, yeah new innovations or new service packs um, partially combined with a lot of um, yeah consulting effort um, to adjust the handbooks and so policies then we definitely see that companies are not uh, that agile and not that flexible and if we make a different comparison to our private lives, so if you imagine how uh, Microsoft Teams, how Zoom went through the roof in the pandemic uh, and how fast it got scaled out into the global market with uh, less training, less integration, uh, yeah, less policies, less instructions. So it went really fast and I think that's the power um, of a uh, cloud, I would say, out of the box uh, environment. Okay, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I can hear the benefits, but it does sound like, is that just a benefit and an opportunity for the big end of town where, where you spend a lot of time or for small and medium enterprises, are they going to see benefits from this sort of transition? Well, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, so normally if uh, if we talk about, you know, the, the big names and the big hyperscalers like uh, Microsoft or Amazon Web Services. Um, no one would definitely look at uh, um, yeah, smaller and medium enterprises companies or hidden champions, uh, which are very famous in, in Germany, for example. But uh, based on latest studies, you definitely see that um, SMEs are really lagging behind digital adoption. So whether this is e-commerce, whether this is um, cloud uh, itself, whether this is e-invoicing, whether this is the whole topic around big data, AI, and ML. Um, so that is definitely a limitation. Um, and if they can't catch up with the technology, they will definitely be behind um, the large, uh, you know, the large names, the large enterprises. Um, but that's also in combination nation of uh, different pillars so it, it has also to do with uh, um, yeah, infrastructure so uh, um, fast uh, fast data uh, transmission um, um, it's uh, about uh, the access it's about people so um, following some um, global o OECD studies you definitely see differences by by regions as well um, so um, um, for example Nordic uh, countries in, in Europe are more advanced um, than, than South countries uh, and uh, this goes back to how the government is also providing the support from infrastructure standpoint and also how to attract yeah new and uh, yeah new uh, and emerging tech companies okay well let's pivot a little bit on, on that i mean i i've heard you talk a bit about this concept of the proliferation of enterprise applications and I, and I must admit i can barely keep track of what i've got on my phone on any given day is this going to be a constant trend for for cios and organizations that more and more apps that have really narrow application. Uh, and if I'm sitting there in that in that hot seat of the technology owner or boss of a company, you know, what do they need to do in, in terms of considering for their organisation? How do they develop these? How do they make sure this is done in a managed and, and controlled way? Well, that's maybe the, the toughest question. Um, so... Um, it is definitely one of the major trends in the whole IT space. Uh, we see there is a big market uh, going on for, if we call this the, the app market in, or enterprise app market. Uh, it's a multi-billion uh, market, really. Um, and we see that companies are going back to, uh, well, I mean, I would compare this maybe in the in the beginning of, the, uh, of 2000, when you had a lot of uh, companies really deciding uh, to develop and to customize and to uh, um, really focus on, on their own 
own competencies. Now with the um, app mindset and the programming and the flexibility and even with uh, um, APIs for integration, um, there is a much more flexibility in really integrating this one. So what we see is that uh, you have in the different LOBs like HR or sales or procurement or, or even finance that from the LOBs, there is a kind of a focus on an LOB-specific application or solution. And um, for that solution, um, you even have from a budgeting standpoint um, that the LOB's owner and stakeholders are owning the budget. So they want also to decide for that particular uh, budget and for their particular application. So from an uh, IT or CIO standpoint, um, that's difficulty you know, to, uh, to combine the different applications, which may serve the main purpose of the LOB, uh, because from an LOB standpoint, that's the core competency. Now, uh, you mentioned I have also plenty of apps on, on, my, uh, on my phone, but uh, I'm rarely using all of them. So um, there are maybe two or three uh, most frequent and the other one I, I typically look at when I need them. And then the difficulty, not only from an employee standpoint, but also for myself is now you always need to catch up with the UI and you need to get familiar with it uh, again. Um, and if you have only one system and one UI and, and one process, um, my assumption would be that in some cases that's going to be easier. I see also another complexity when you just imagine, in, I don't know how many, um, if you look at uh, Apple, how many iOS updates you get where you just click and accept it and um, you basically get new functions and features and you don't necessarily recognize them in the first place. So just imagine from an enterprise standpoint, you have something like 10 apps and every app gets a quarterly release of key innovation. So the CIO would have to deal, and also the line of business, with uh, 40 applications uh, updates um, a year. Um, and that's one of the biggest challenges um, I see. Um, I talked once to a large enterprise where they told me, um, you are developing so many innovations that we have the issue to really catch up, translate, evaluate, and really roll it out in, into our company. Um, and I still have a lot of companies, they have uh, yeah, policies, handbooks, uh, processes, uh, which they developed uh, in line with the um, with the deployment. So for them, it's also hard to catch up simply in uh, adopting um, those, uh, yeah, those policies and uh, yeah, to, um, to explain it to, to the employees. Um, so in a nutshell, I would say um, it's, it's a good opportunity from a technology standpoint to serve the business needs. Um, APIs and integration is easier for sure. But um, yeah, how do you want to deal with all the different applications? And we have customers, they have over 100 apps as an enhancement. And you can even subscribe to data provision services, which even enrich your own application. So the complexity from an IT standpoint um, is, uh, is definitely as, as it wasn't before. So it's a very high on the agenda of uh, the IT departments and uh, the IT architects. Yeah, I bet. Well, that's interesting because... It I think, Dr. Martin, if I hear what you're saying, organisations are going to go more and more in these line of business SaaS models. Uh, they're going to develop really focused, task-specific enterprise applications. But I guess if I'm sitting across an IT landscape, all I'm seeing is more and more complexity. You talked about more and more integration points to corporate ERP and reporting systems, whatever they might be, and surely more risk from a security standpoint. How, how does a CIO manage this, this incredibly complex new paradigm? 
Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not even sure if I can answer this directly. What we see is that uh, companies are really re-evaluating um, their whole business uh, business model. They look at what is a core competency application, what is non-core, uh, and even um, focusing on yeah, simply developing an let's say core business supporting application on their own with uh, a management consultancy with an um, integrator, um, and to focus on what they basically need for for the environment. And this goes a big contrary to uh, uh, what you normally have in a kind of an ERP environment where you want to focus on standard processes, scalability, and also in the cloud environment to uh, um, also focus on on a couple of standards. Um, So this reminds me a bit of what we had in the beginning of 2000 where everybody was really trying to do and configure and customize and modify their systems to their needs. And then the pendulum uh, shifted back and uh, everybody was uh, going back to to the standard. So um, I'm not entirely sure if um, there can be a full recommendation for for a CIO. Um, But what I see definitely is that um, there needs to be a broader strategy um, and the dominating um, needs from the LOBs to serve their core processes. Um, I think that's definitely one important area. The other important area from an architecture standpoint, I definitely see the challenges around integrating different applications, uh, also integrating different data and insights provider, um, because that's also opening up um, the um, yeah, integration from a security stand, uh, standpoint to other parties. Um, and yet to manage the complexity. I mean, if I imagine that we have uh, yeah, yeah, customers or large enterprises, if they run 80 plus ERP systems around the globe, the whole topic about real-time data analysis, insights to manage cost base, to uh, tackle the trends like inflation or supply chain or, 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 or warehouses, I think that is one of the main challenging areas that companies need to start now to have their migration path, whether this is to cloud or to a new environment. I think um, CIOs needs to start really thinking about how would that architecture uh, look like in, in five years from now? Because technology development and uh, I don't know how many startups are growing up in, in the tech space, also for enterprise applications. So that's maybe one of the um, yeah, most, uh, um, yeah, yeah, most relevant recommendations I would make is to really focus now in which direction you want to go, what is the plan, uh, what are limitations, um, also from a change management standpoint. Yeah? Um, can companies really be that agile from an adoption standpoint? Yeah, I like it. And this, gosh, it's an incredibly difficult challenge to face. I mean, I guess the follow-on, Dr. Martin, on that, and you touched on it, is this proliferation of data, the increased velocity, and, and how do we capture it? And, and the promise, it seems, of data seems to have been out of reach for a lot of companies uh, to centrally collect and clean and manage and, and ultimately get these, these insights that we've been promising them for so long. It feels like this task is going to get harder and harder. Is, is that fair or is there, is there a better way? Well, that's a that's a good topic. So, I mean, the the overarching theme is really uh, data is the is the new oil in in some companies. So, if I consider the the oil prices, which are which are very good <laughs> right now again, um, companies are really faced with, um, let's say, should we use dirty dirty data? Maybe. Um, so, 
When we look, and even if I compare this with my personal experience, I mean, uh, if we uh, didn't find any master data record in the in the old days, we would simply put uh, others or or a dummy as as a placeholder, and then you would have kind of a free text uh, um, uh, master data record, which does not necessarily help. So, if we want to adopt new technologies like AI or ML um, or building some 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 models on top of it, uh, you need to get uh, uh, clean data. So, with clean data and with structured data, um, you can definitely make faster decision or intelligent decision making. For many companies, it's also a transformational shift because you need to educate employees to stick basically to the rules to have uh, clean data. There are, of course, technologies available who can help you sanitize the data and uh, yeah, structure the data um, based on yeah, uh, semantics uh, and, and search, etc. Um, but the main question here is now if you want to focus and learn from the data like maybe amazon is is maybe one of the best examples or google um, how they use the data to provide additional services on top or even to i mean uh, the, the the product recommendation is a very very old example but it's very tangible so if you have an item in a shopping cart you get um, from from a search recommendation what other buyers um, also added into the shopping cart um, to achieve this you definitely to have a core or clean core um, so um, the uh, yeah moving away from uh, from free text uh, um, uh, yeah records and uh, free text capture um, I mean that's maybe one of the uh, one of the challenges um, I furthermore would say that based on the data companies can really develop new monetization models. So if we look, for example, on insurance companies or automotive companies. So insurance companies, if they get healthy data, you get different uh, commercials for your health insurance. If you go to, to car providers and they see um, yeah, real-time data and insights from the car, they can talk about optimizing um, maintenance. They can improve their product life cycles, um, but they can also provide that data and sell the data uh, to insurance companies again. So you can get... Uh, and, and better discount if you are not driving that fast, like we used to drive in Germany. Um, so the data piece, um, I think for many companies is really undiscovered. Um, so if we go back to the example of SMEs, they did not look into big data so far or, or still lag behind um, because from the, from a data standpoint, you can, le you can learn a lot. Um, from large enterprises standpoint, I think the biggest challenge is that um, the data sits in different ERPs, maybe across the globe. And to have and, and find a kind of an, um, yeah real-time model or an application um, stack where you get the real-time insights, um, maybe that's uh, one of the yeah, leading topics uh, in, in, in the next couple of years. Yeah, I like it. And it's, um, it's a fascinating area. We can't not talk about cybersecurity, Martin. I guess as well, uh, you know, you touched on some of the integration points and the and the risks of intrusion and, and straight-out attacks on our digital landscapes. As some of the events unfolding around the globe continue, and you touched on those, you know, at the start, geopolitical tension clearly on the rise. How do organisations that manage critical infrastructure or that customer data or financial information that you've already talked about, how do they manage this, what seems to be an ever-increasing ever risk of, of cyber threat and, and cyber security that they face nowadays? Yeah, so um, maybe every one of us was already faced with a kind of, I don't know, phishing mail or malware, which we get into our private uh, email accounts and uh, you get some fake emails for updating any bank accounts and then people are... <laughs> 
basically stealing uh, stealing money from from your account. Um, the, the impact to enterprises is of course much more. Uh, bigger yeah um so um a couple of days back um the worldwide uh, tractor manufacturer Akofent uh, was affected by a, a ransomware um, attack and uh, basically the entire manufacturing uh, uh, um, sites went down um and that's a big impact uh, and not even that it's not that the production can't run but um, through the attack also data was stolen and data um, or maybe competitive in, in intelligence data were basically stolen so if i just imagine this from a procurement standpoint if you have that attack and somebody steals your i don't know bill of material for one of the tractors they actually can really recognize what's going on there and can copy your product basically from day one to day two uh, or maybe in a couple of weeks of time um, but we see a very impactful um, yeah, cybersecurity market. So um, there is a study from McKinsey which cites that the entire market is uh, roughly 100 billion worth by 2025. Uh, we saw damages in uh, uh, 2020, which uh, amounts for 4 billion uh, US dollar uh, damage for companies. Um, and I think that from an meant or how to manage security, I think um, we touch base on a little, um, yeah, challenging application. Uh, we talked about integration. Um, we also talked about um, how companies um, are having issues with, um, let's say, the, the on-premise uh, in the environment. I think the biggest advantage for companies um, to tackle um, cybersecurity um, is not only to 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 buy in kind of an antivirus or uh, or in pro, um, security provisioning um, software, um, but it's also about the talent. So we companies need to look at: Do we have the right talent in managing um, cybersecurity? Um, and uh, in this uh, great resignation or uh, talent war, which you also face. It's going to be difficult. So uh, there are ways around it. Um, there are, of course, companies. Um, if you basically, um, yeah, subscribe to a cloud service, um, cybersecurity may be provided. Or if you go to uh, one of the hyperscalers, um, you can also look about um, how is the cybersecurity. Uh, yeah, statement of work or what kind of measures um, are provided to uh, um, to keep your data um, safe. Um, I would say. If, Going forward, that's maybe one of the biggest risks companies can face uh, because I think this will not stop. And uh, we also see that uh, through this Ukraine uh, war, um, a lot of cyber attacks also uh, increased. Uh, and um, to protect the data and to protect the core IP, um, that's a very important topic, um, especially if we go um, through um, this uh, challenging environment and transition to cloud and real time, uh, and uh, yeah, to open up our integration stacks to uh, um, yeah, third third data providers. Wow, it's a lot to take in. Um, let's add another dimension. You know, in case life couldn't be even more complex for for our CIOs and our chief technology chief technology officers and those that are kind of managing some of these incredibly important businesses and workloads. There's now obviously a bottom line expectation and a community expectation that all, all the capability and business processes that an organisation manages delivered in a, in a more and more sustainable fashion as well. What can the modern CIO do, Martin, to make sure that they're contributing to an organisation's social licence as well? Yeah, there are a couple of dimensions to sustainability. I mean, um, it's uh, maybe one of the 
um, biggest uh, transformational um, challenges for the entire world, I would say. Um, and sustainability has different priorities uh, in, in different uh, countries, what I experienced. From an end consumer standpoint, um, you have a very strong focus on, uh, about how companies uh, really behave and how they source and uh, are they treating um, suppliers in an uh, according uh, manner with, uh, yeah, are they, is there any slavery? Is there any uh, any issue, any exposure. So from a procurement standpoint, a very strong uh, strong domain. From a finance standpoint, um, yeah, it's about maybe in a, in a most simplest way, it's about uh, CO2 emissions and the, and the pricing of, of, of emissions, uh, including energy prices. Um, from a sales side, I would say maybe the, the biggest one is um, its end consumer behavior and its end, end consumer focus. So a lot of uh, companies are, are really moving into, uh, yeah, listening more to, uh, to customers. Um, what are their wishes? And um, I think this is a very strong trend. What we what we definitely see as an as an impact is, if you can provide more transparency about your supply chain, it's not only to make sure that uh, uh, your consumers are aware, but it's also um, an, an, an potential um, to uh, yeah increase prices for for that one. So customers are willing to pay more if they know the original source um, of that particular product. Um, so. There are different, let's say, to the to the IT department or to the CIO. There are different demanding functions, and um, the last uh, dimension is, of course, uh, the government and regulation. So we see new laws upcoming, and the exposure risk uh, um, for companies becomes uh, higher. In Germany, the, um, there are um, launching a law um, to uh, actually make an obligation to companies that they take responsibility for their entire supply chain. And um, from an IT standpoint, you of course need to look at now, do we have the right applications to have the transparency? So can we have the transparency from our, let's say, first tier, second tier supplier until uh, our delivery and, and, and warehouse? Uh, do we prevent any, any breaches yeah, um, for, um, yeah, for, for any rubbery um, or any fake products in, in, in that part of the step? The origin uh, product distribution and transparency becomes a very central point. Um, so if we are, for example, in the pharmaceutical space, you need to make sure um, that the product is right packaged, that there is no fraud, that there is no uh, no cheating, that there are no fraudulent uh, activities uh, being part of that uh, whole process, uh, which also becomes very important to uh, yeah, luxury goods, for, for instance, which is important to, uh, um, to the end consumers. So the whole transparency from really source to sales um, is a very essential uh, topic. Um, but in the near-term future, it's also about, in the whole process, what is CO2 emissions? So it's not only about uh, knowing how many kilograms CO2 you produce in this whole entire process, but it's also uh, to uh, really making sure that you comply in your supply chain and you know distribution chain with uh, with laws that there is no slavery, that there are uh, good uh, working um, environments. Um, I think that's one of the biggest challenges I think for this century um, that companies become that uh, that available and many companies really struggle because they may know what is the first tier, uh, but the second tier does not want to release a, a lot of information. So from a technology standpoint, I think blockchain offers a lot of potential, uh, but some people will ultimately say, well, but uh, it's not the most uh, energy um, 
optimized uh, way of doing things. But uh, with uh, distributed ledger technology, um, I think we we could uh, tackle some of the some of these challenges. And well, lastly, from an from an IT standpoint, it's also about yeah uh, green green emissions for um, yeah. Um, um, data centers, um, green emissions for, for buildings. So there are a couple of ideas how to tackle, um, you know, the, the whole environment. But uh, it will definitely change um, how we run, how we run operations. And it also leads to a different, you know, a, a different behavior in companies um, across the different um, LOBs. Wow. Well, that's... Gosh, there's so much to take in. It's it's a complex and it's a, a fascinating world, and, and you've touched on some some really big issues that we're facing. If people would like to dive in a, a little bit deeper, Martin, you've you've written a, a piece on some of these topics that people could uh, could could access and find out a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, we regularly publish uh, white papers uh, from uh, our organization. Um, I also have a blog uh, in the SAP community. Um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn. So um, if you want, and you can also uh, reach out to me directly if you want to follow up. So happy to do so. And we might put some of those links in the show notes. So if people are listening would like to to follow Dr. Martin and, and, and read some of his thoughts and some of the deep dives into some really complex yet fascinating areas. Martin, the challenges are clear. Kind of final thoughts. What's the opportunity for a modern, agile CIO to respond, predict, I guess even get ahead of these issues so that they're delivering real value for their organisations? Well, I mean, I would say that the call to action from an, from a technology standpoint, uh, I would say, well, you need to uh, you need to consider, um, yeah, uh, leading uh, leading solution providers in in getting uh, your architecture done. But I would say a call to action is definitely to uh, to reflect on the transformational changes which are happening in the particular industry. That's a very uh, central thing. Um, alignment with the LOB stakeholders with the different demand. Um, really evaluating um, where you. May May face challenges from your current stack to your future stack, and finally, I would say to find a migration path. and And there are there are many ways of uh, how CIOs can tackle this one. So uh, they can talk to the technology vendors um, like SAP and uh, our competitors. They can talk to management consultants uh, like the McKinsey's or Boston consultants of the world. They can also talk to uh, um, yeah um, IT. Um, providers and uh, integrators like uh, Accenture or like Deloitte. Um, and I think um, it becomes important that CIOs really reflect is what are their obstacles? Where do they face challenges to uh, bring them to this next evolution? What we should not forget is the timing issue. So the whole technology environment is growing that fast where companies definitely have an issue in yeah, keeping pace with the technology developments. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the most critical pieces to know in which direction you want to go. And lastly, to define which path you as an organization want to develop. I mean, SAP um, provides rise with SAP to bring companies to this cloud environment, to make them more agile, to help them with integration, to help them with an, an clean core ERP and to make sure um, um, to talk about and, and to um, mitigate um, cybersecurity risk. Uh, but that path and that evaluation becomes a very important topic because in some areas, you don't necessarily need to migrate your entire uh, ERP on-premise system um, in uh, the first wave. Uh, 
You can also start with cloud application to really look at uh, yeah areas where you have the biggest pain uh, to help organizations being more agile. So it's a not direct answer, um, but I think there are a couple of thoughts uh, where companies uh, and CIOs can can definitely look at. And uh, for SMEs in particular, I would definitely focus on really identifying the areas where you lag behind large organizations. So if you did not spend any time to think about big data, now it's time to act on big data. If you never experienced e-commerce, now you have to do it. If you never experienced e-invoicing, okay, that's maybe already a couple of years overdue. So to catch up with the speed of um, yeah the tech giants and also about large enterprises become very critical in the future. Wow, well, that's brilliant. Dr. Martin Couture, how wonderful and such a fascinating insight uh, in the world and where we're going with technology and the challenges and the opportunities that we face. Sadly, that's all we have time for on this episode of SAP Experts. Dr. Martin Couture, a big thank you for being so generous with your time and for sharing some of your thoughts with the audience today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a pleasure to be a part of uh, this podcast. And yeah, if you have questions, uh, reach out. Happy to chat and uh, happy to connect. Brilliant. Well, sadly, that is all we have time for on this episode of SAP Experts. I've been your host, Jonathan Fogarty. Until next time, be curious, be kind, and reach out for Dr. Martin Couture. We'll put all the information in the show notes. But that's all we have time for. So for now, on behalf of Martin and myself, it's bye for now. Bye for now.